You're listening to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 40. Each Wednesday, we'll embark on a journey together to discover the best tips for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, we're discussing some key insights from Cynthia Kane's amazing book called How to Communicate Like a Buddhist. This is a phenomenal book that I just got finished reading that has given me so much insight into how to communicate with myself and with others. And then we're going to discuss a quick tool that helps you stay on top of your meetings with Microsoft Outlook. Let's get started. All right, so first up, a very, very brief note about my Florida vacation. It was amazing. It wasn't long enough. I was in Miami, Orlando, Clearwater, and every day was 80 degrees and sunny. And when we returned to Detroit, it was like 40 and super rainy and the forecast was horrible. So I want to be back. Okay, that's all I want to say about my vacation. So we're going to jump right into Make Life Easier this week, and we're going to talk about this fantastic book. And then as promised, I back two episodes ago, I believe, in number 38, I mentioned that I was going to do a little experiment from a, I kind of teased a book, which happens to be this book called How to Communicate Like a Buddhist. And the strategies from there, I was going to use them in helping me to stay calm during a particularly crazy shopping day. So we're going to get to that. So this book, the author's name is Cynthia Kane, and her last name is spelled K-A-N-E. And it covers communication from a Buddhist lens. Now, what you need to be aware of is that you do not need to practice Buddhist philosophies in order to use these principles in your life. If you already identify with the Buddhist teachings, then by all means, it makes sense that this would resonate with you. But you absolutely do not have to be in that boat to use these techniques. And I'm going to cover the ones that really stood out the most for me. So let's jump into number one. And this, I think, is the biggest one. This is where the biggest change came from. This idea of being kind to yourself. The author, Cynthia Kane. She points out that it's very difficult to master communication with others, to communicate well with others, if you're communicating poorly with yourself. And what does that look like? It means all kinds of negative self-talk. That could be anything from putting yourself down to calling yourself stupid, even in a joking way. Anything like that where you've got negative self-talk going on in your mind that can be the root of your communication issues with others. Because if you can't practice it with yourself, it's difficult to practice it when it's kind of in real life. So the first thing she says is begin by paying attention to the things that you tell yourself. Start noticing if you're constantly berating yourself, if you're putting yourself down, even in a joking way, something like, you know, you're sitting in front of your computer and you make a mistake and you're like, oh God, I'm so stupid, things like that. Those kinds of negative thoughts become reinforced over time and they eventually become a habit. These stories that we tell ourselves become so ingrained because we have 
developed those neural pathways in our minds over and over and over again. The example I use is sometimes, I think a lot of folks will resonate with this one, when you get into your driver's seat to drive your car, I've noticed that there are mornings where I put my seatbelt on and I get... 10 minutes away from home and think back, God, I don't even remember putting my seatbelt on. I just did it. It is that habitual. It is that ingrained in my mind. And when we do something like negative self-talk, like the negative stories that we tell ourselves on a constant, consistent basis, it becomes as ingrained as those other kinds of habits. And so she says that the first step to this is being cognizant of these stories, that we can interrupt the habit when we recognize that we're doing it. So I'm going to read a quick quote from the book. It goes, be mindful of your thoughts during the day, and when you hear yourself punishing or judging yourself through negative self-talk, try to identify the feeling behind it. And I'm going to stop the quote right here. This is really important. This idea of noting what you're feeling was the technique that I used when I went to the store. So I'm going to continue the quote here. Are you feeling insecure, ashamed, anxious, stressed, guilty, critical, or righteous? What is the fear behind it? What are you afraid of? Remember, it's okay to be sad, to feel overwhelmed. Anything you're feeling is okay. The next question to ask yourself is, how can I help myself feel better in this moment? What would I do without this thought? So there's a lot to unpack there, but the big things there are first, identifying that you're caught in this story. The next thing is to identify and name the feeling that you're having, and that is huge. It sounds so simple, too simple in fact, but it works. When you can stop, take a step back when you're in a feeling and say, oh, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling annoyed, I'm feeling anxious, it helps you to put some critical distance between yourself and the feeling. You're able to observe it as an outsider rather than someone trapped within it. The next thing to keep in mind is that you can detach yourself from the story that you tell yourself. I find myself, or I did, previously find myself saying, oh God, you're such an impatient person. There's nothing you can do. You have this anger that's a part of it. And this impatience tends to lead to anger and there's there's no way of escaping it. And I was using this absolute language, meaning this language that there is no way around. It is absolute in what I was saying. And the verb to be that Cynthia Kane points out is very limiting. When we say things like, I am angry, it sounds innocuous, but it implies that that is part of our identity. To be implies that you identify with that emotion. I'm angry. I am frustrated. And so it's better maybe to consider using language like other languages employ. So for instance, in Spanish, instead of saying, I am hungry, the phrase Tengo hambre means literally, I have hunger, which is a temporary state of being. And our language really influences how we see the world. So when we start taking ourselves out of those negative emotions, and you'll note the language that I used a minute ago was, I'm feeling. So yes, it's I am, but I'm saying I'm feeling. It's a passing feeling. I'm in this feeling for this moment. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated rather than I am angry, which implies that I am an angry person by identity. So you start noticing those stories that you repeat and you rehearse over and over again. And here's another quote, and there are two quotes actually from the book. 
First is how to detach from stories. See the story as a story. And remember that you don't have to believe it. Come into the present moment by focusing on how you feel and determine what you truly need to feel better instead of focusing on what's wrong with the other person or event that's activating the feeling inside you. And then quote number two is, it's a beautiful moment when you begin to notice yourself stuck in a story because it's then you can choose not to believe it, to say to yourself, this story isn't true. This isn't my story. I don't have to fall for this voice of lack. These phrases are very basic, but extremely powerful. Cynthia Kane talks about the ability of our minds to actually control these types of things because we've ingrained them ourselves by habit. We can undo the habit by beginning to interrupt those patterns. And so when you can start communicating with yourself in a more healthy, in a more productive way, you can begin to communicate with others in that way too. Cynthia Kane uses the phrase, where you sit, you stand, meaning if you are yourself thinking this negative, angry, judgmental, thinking in those ways, it's hard to think those ways in your own mind, and then turn around and be this positive, chipper, I hate to use that word, but this positive, upbeat, happy, joyful person with others in the way you communicate with them. So that's the first thing, is to be kind to yourself by paying attention to the stories that you tell, to recognize that the stories you've told yourself have become a habit, and to detach from them by identifying the feelings that you're having, naming them, and then recognizing what you need to do to feel better, including telling yourself that those stories don't have to be true, that you are not the things that you tell yourself. So that's number one. Number two, this is an incredibly helpful communication tool that helps you benchmark anything that you're thinking or saying. It's a litmus test. You put it through this check. Is what I'm about to say or is what I'm thinking kind helpful, and true. Again, is it kind, helpful, and true? And it sounds ridiculously simple, but this is a very effective filter. If you can pass all three checks, that usually means that it's an okay thing to say or to be thinking. I actually extend it not just to saying, but to thinking, because I find that the voice of judgment that happens in my head tends to not be kind nor helpful. It, it may be true, but it's neither of the other two. And that helps me to kind of squash that pattern. I have this pattern of being judgmental in my own head. And I recognize that I develop that, this kind of judgmental sarcasm thing that I do in my personal life and in my professional life. I developed that as a defense mechanism from when I was growing up. I didn't have a whole lot of friends. And I found that being kind of you know, judgmental and that witty, sarcastic kind of person was a way to, on the surface, connect with people because it was funny, you know, it was it was witty. And so I, I was able to get that in by doing something that now I recognize is neither kind nor helpful. So this is a very effective litmus test to help you benchmark the things that you're thinking and that you're saying. And I'll add one thing. I find that using the kind and helpful litmus tests are a little bit more impactful than the one about being true. 
The reason I say that is, yes, it's very important that think the things we say be true, that we're not dwelling in the realm of lies all the time. However, I find that true and kind and helpful can sometimes be at odds with each other. You know, there are times where the truth can actually be unkind or not be helpful. And there are also times where, you know, a lie may be the thing that is more kind to do. So you got to kind of judge the situation. But on the whole, kind, helpful, true are very effective, especially the first two, kind and helpful. Okay, so number three is to learn to respond instead of react. This one is big for me because what I have my biggest struggle with, I think, emotionally is when I'm quote-unquote triggered by other people. And I I say that like that in that quote-unquote kind of way because I'm trying to take ownership of my own responses and reactions to the stimulus that I get from the outside world. People do things and then I judge them as either positive, I suppose neutral, or negative, and then I respond or react accordingly. And my reactions and responses are my own. Those are not other people's, and other people's reactions and responses are their own, and I can't control those. So I'm trying to, when I say the word trigger, it's it's kind of passive. It implies that other people can do whatever they want, and I have absolutely no control over what I do in response. So it's important to hear to distinguish what a response versus a reaction is. Cynthia Kane explains that a reaction is an instantaneous action, one that does not have any thought. And I have trouble here that people will say things or do things and my habits cue me to react without thinking. It's like putting on a seatbelt when you get in your car, they cue me to think or to act without putting any thought into the response. And that's where I get into trouble. I had an outburst with a coworker one time, and I, you know, it was provoked. My coworker was being frustrating. There was a situation at, at work, and my coworker was being quite frustrating. However, when I turned around and dropped some very loud and quite vulgar expletives at her, That was of my own choosing, and that was my fault. And what happened was when she was being difficult, I then turned into the one that needed kind of disciplinary action or kind of corrective action from supervisors because I created a big scene in a loud way with expletives in a workplace at a school, no less. And thankfully, there were no kids around, but I kind of lost my my cool and it did not play out well for me. I, I mean, I've learned from it for sure, and I'm able to use this as an example here. But my reaction was very, I want to almost say unhealthy. It was not inappropriate, nor was it helpful or kind for that matter. So Cynthia Kane explains that a response instead is one that is deliberate. We choose to respond with thought. And the way that she explains to do this is to learn to identify the habitual reactions. Again, this starts with identifying the issues and noting that they are habits. So in those situations where somebody is kind of pushing the buttons, I have a tendency to react and I need to develop this awareness that I need to slow down and put a space there a breath, several breaths, before I immediately react to the situation. She then adds, observe the want to automatically react, pause, identify the feeling associated with the initial reaction, 
Have you felt this before? See yourself and the other person with compassion and identify what you can do to make yourself feel better. Put it together in a sentence. Action plus feeling plus what you need to feel better. So let's deconstruct that really quick. The first piece is, again, identify what you're feeling. That's really big. If you can't, if you just go with the flow and you just let the reaction happen, that's the, you know, the thing we're trying to overcome. You got to be able to put some space there. Say to yourself, I am feeling really, really frustrated. I had to hold myself back from using one of those expletives here because this is a G-rated show, but, or maybe PG, but I, you know, you got to identify. I am feeling X, it's really frustrating, and that's okay. I am allowed to feel angry. I am allowed to feel annoyed. Now, that's also pretty empowering, giving yourself the space to feel because once you're thinking about the feeling itself, you brought yourself into this moment and giving yourself permission, you're putting space there. You're giving yourself time. And this is helping the temporary fleeting emotion to pass and gives you the space to craft at least a better response than your initial reaction would have been. So identify, number one. Then to see yourself and the other person with compassion. This is another area that I struggle especially when it relates to other people, seeing other people with compassion. But I have noticed that on the whole, when you look at a situation from a a distance or deliberately choosing to look at it from someone else's lens, you tend to be able to find the compassion. I don't think there are a lot of folks out there who are looking to make life miserable on purpose. I think that they have their own drives and when those don't line up with your own, you tend to say, oh, they're an awful evil person and that's usually not the case. And then the last piece is to identify what you can do to make yourself feel better. So in a situation like my coworker at lunch, maybe the thing I would have needed right then is to say, I need just a minute to collect my thoughts. That might have been more productive to give myself some space. And that would have been a more measured response. You know, I don't remember all of the exact nuances, so I can't go really deep into that example, but you take the time to identify what you can do to make yourself feel better. So that's number three here is to learn to respond instead of react. Number four is to, this is a pretty short one, but this is kind of important and it goes back to what I was saying about giving yourself permission to feel what you feel. Remember that you are not perfect and you never will be. And this particular quote that I'm about to read from the book, it's short, but it it had a profound impact for me. I kind of stopped and read it a couple of times and then made sure to go back and highlight it for the show because it really gave me license to be myself, to make mistakes, and to separate my identity from my mistakes. Now, that's the big thing right there is that I can make mistakes without being a mistake myself. This is the quote from Cynthia Kane from the book. Just because you did something in that moment does not mean that that action represents who you are all the time. I'm going to read it one more time because even as I read it right now, it's just, it's so freeing. It gives you space to screw up, right? And obviously you want to learn from the things that you screw up, but it gives you space and says, I am not my mistakes. I am not a mistake. I am a human being. I make mistakes. Mistakes happen, you know, because I cause them. But I myself, my identity is not a mistake. The quote again goes, just because you did something 
in that moment does not mean that that action represents who you are all the time. So I wanted to make sure to include that because we're not perfect, we're never going to be, and we're going to react, we're going to do all kinds of other crazy things that are not going to be what we would have ideally wanted, but we have permission to make mistakes as long as we learn and grow from them. And then number five is to practice a loving kindness meditation. I pulled this out of several other meditation exercises that Cynthia Cain gave because it really is the one to me that resonated the most with me, that gave me the most flexibility in terms of a meditation, and it just gave me the most sense of calm and connectedness. So this meditation is very simple, and I found that you actually can do this meditation. You don't have to be like in the lotus position, cross-legged, eyes closed kind of thing, although you certainly can do that. But I found that I can do this kind of thing even while driving or while I'm waiting in line at the store or wherever it might be. This is something that kind of goes hand in hand with the episode a couple episodes ago about putting your phone down, about taking time to be mindful about what you're doing instead of constantly mindlessly scrolling. Doing a loving kindness meditation at, say, your therapist's office or your doctor's office or wherever can be really beneficial. So the first step, I'm going to walk through the steps here. They're pretty straightforward. But the first step is to pick one of these phrases or mantras, or actually, I, she suggests, I believe Cynthia Cain suggests two. I'm sure you could do more if you wanted. I did pick two. I happened to pick the, the same two that she used as the example in the book. But the list that she gives is, number one, may you feel love. Two, may you feel peace. Three, may you be free from suffering. Four, may you feel safe. Five, may you know joy. And six, may you be happy. So you can either select from that list or make up your own. The two I selected that resonated with me the most are may you feel loved and may you know joy. Those are the two that resonated with me. And then you follow this technique. So step one is to close your eyes, if you can, right? If you're going to do this in the car or something, obviously, please don't close your eyes. But if you can close your eyes, do so. Then number two is to bring a person to mind. And we're going to talk in a second about the list of people, but I'm going to finish reading the steps and then I'll cover the list of people. And I actually have augmented her original list a little bit. I've added one specific entry. So number number one, close your eyes, if you can. Two, bring a person to mind. Three, recite the mantras for that person. Four, sit with those feelings for a moment. Five, shift your attention to the next person. And then six, repeat until you're through the whole list of people. And then seven, if you've got your eyes closed, after you've repeated and kind of sat with the feelings, you can then open your eyes. So the list of people that you can perform this meditation about. I put these in a deliberate order, and so does Cynthia Kane, and then I added number four, and we'll get to that in a second. So number one, you start with someone that you truly love and cherish, someone that really brings joy to your life, and you, again, start with that person in your mind and repeat the mantras, may you feel love, may you know joy. And you give yourself time to kind of sit with that emotion. Once you're through with that, you shift your attention to the next person. And Cynthia Kane and I recommend that you shift the attention to yourself. May you feel loved. May you feel joy about yourself. Sit with the feelings. Then the third 
is someone you don't really know. The barista, the post person that you, you may or may not know, your server at the restaurant last night, whomever. But someone you don't really know, you have kind of neutral feelings about. Do the same for them. The number four I added, and I got this from somewhere else. It may have been, I think, a headspace meditation. But adding a difficult person, someone that, I I don't like to put it in these terms, someone you don't like or someone that you can't stand kind of thing, but someone who's more difficult in your life. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you dislike them, but they are a difficult person. They, They bring kind of tougher emotions to mind and do the same thing. May you feel loved. May you know joy or whatever your mantras are. Then you shift your attention to all beings, all beings, you know, in general, in the world. May you feel loved. May you know joy. And then finally, you shift your attention back to yourself and conclude with those mantras, sit with the feelings, and then conclude the meditation. And like I said, you can do this anywhere, and it actually really feels very nice. And my favorite part, oddly enough, is number four, that difficult person. It gives me a sense of ease and calm about people that are more difficult in my life. It gives me, it brings me a greater sense of, of ease as I think about those people from the perspective that I want them to feel loved, that I want them to be joyful and to have joy. It just, I don't know, try it. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what you think in the comments of the show notes or by shooting me an email at podcast at easiercast.com. Let me know what you think. I think that it, uh, it's really profound. So last up on this before we move into my really quick tool that I have for Outlook is kind of a recap of that shopping experiment. And that's from number 38. I mentioned that in that episode about beating procrastination with the five second rule about how I was, I kind of teased this book, how to communicate like a Buddhist saying that it was fantastic and I was going to try some of those techniques in conjunction with the five second rule at this kind of hectic uh, hell trip, shopping trip. Um, if you've any of you have been to either IKEA or Costco on a weekend afternoon, like about one o'clock, you know that those stores are absolutely slammed. Like you can barely move. People are everywhere. The lines are gigantic. You know, there's always someone in the way of what you want. Those kinds of things. It is a frustration breeding ground. So I decided. All right, I have to run those errands, both of them. I'm going to give this a shot and see if these things help. And what I found is that they actually work very well. Even for just starting out, interrupting my emotions, my frustration by saying, I'm feeling really frustrated right now and that's okay, gave me space to take a breath and let the feeling pass. So what if the line next to me is moving faster than mine? So what if this person is standing here in the grand scheme of my life How much is an extra 10 seconds waiting for someone to move out of my way really going to matter? And saying, I am super freaking agitated by this in my mind, and that's okay. And eventually, it got to the point where it was just, oh, I'm feeling annoyed. It it got to that point that it felt so liberating. I've been doing this in traffic, too, where I'm kind of, oh, this person is really agitating me. I'm feeling really annoyed right now. It gives me kind of this freedom from those the, the shackles of those emotions. It just felt, again, they were so habitual. They felt like they were a part of my identity when, in fact, they're just fleeting emotions. And I was just repeating a pattern over and over and over again. Same thing with people in the store. So I have to say that this works really well. 
I really encourage you to give this book a shot. And this week, what I'm doing, I'm going to try this to give you quicker access to these books. I'm going to start creating redirect links that you can go to. You just go to this link. It's going to be easiercast.com slash Buddhist, B-U-D-D-H-I-S-T. And that'll take you right to Amazon so you can pick up the version of the book that works for you. Again, that's easiercast.com slash Buddhist. And that will take you to the book, How to Communicate Like a Buddhist by Cynthia Kane. I, I cannot stress enough how amazing this book is. I've, I've really been reading a lot lately. I've been kind of addicted. I got a new Kindle and I've, and on my vacation, I read three books in like six days. It was crazy. Um, I've been just addicted to this and this is just by far one that has really changed my perspective on life. So I'm reading this one and then there's another one that Cynthia Kane recorded. Uh, Cynthia Kane wrote, she recorded it too, or somebody recorded it. I don't know. The author in this case did not read the first audiobook, but anyway. Cynthia Kane wrote another book about communicating with yourself. She goes more into the self, and I am definitely going to talk about that on this show because I really love this idea that I am in control of my thinking, and this helps me to change how I engage with the world. So, easiercast.com slash Buddhist is the spot to go to get that. And then also, I've got this week a free PDF. I'm going to start doing this. As I'm reading these books, I'm making highlights in my Kindle, and I figured, why not share those highlights with you all? I, you know, that's like the excerpts from the books that I absolutely loved. And so I've got a free PDF that you can grab that. So that you can get by going to easiercast.com slash Buddhist download. It's all one word, Buddhist download. That will take you directly to that PDF and you can download it. It's got my favorite excerpts, all the quotes from this and some others from that book in a one sheet guide. It's fantastic. I really think that you'll love it. It gives you kind of a taste of the book and there will be a link there as well as in the show notes to buy the book. I it's I can't say enough good things. So I really hope that you give this a shot. And if you do, I really hope to hear from you about how this works for you and what you think. All right, a quick make work easier. This is a tool called Outlook Reminders on Top. And if you use Outlook at work and you've ever missed a meeting because you accidentally closed a notification on your computer about that meeting or you minimized it and it just sat in the background, this tool is for you. I believe it's free to use and I don't know if there's a trial, but the paid version of the tool is only seven bucks. And in this case, this is not an affiliate link. Uh, I only recommend products that I love and use and things like that, products, books, stuff like that. But in this case, there is no benefit to me or the show whatsoever. It's a phenomenal tool. I highly recommend that you give it a shot. I've got the link in the show notes to it. But what it does is it does three primary things. One, there's a pop-up that happens when a meeting is coming up before your meeting or as the meeting is happening. And this forces that pop-up to appear on top of all your other windows. And then if you minimize them, number two, it will pull it back up immediately. So you can't do anything. You have to acknowledge the reminder. And it helps to avoid missing those meetings. And then the third is that it keeps alerting you every so often. So that way, again, you can't miss meetings. So it's a great little tool. I've got the links in the show notes and I will share that link at the end of the episode like normal. But I highly recommend if you use this, if you use Outlook, give this tool a shot. It's a great tool developed by kind of a a solo guy and it's worked for me for a couple of years and I really think that it will work for you.
And that's it for episode number 40 of Easier. Remember to put into practice the phenomenal techniques that are discussed by Cynthia Kane in her incredible book, How to Communicate Like a Buddhist. Also, give Outlook reminders on top a shot. It is a wonderful tool, and if you use Outlook, it will make that much easier. Do you have any tips, techniques, or tools for making life or work easier? If so, email me at podcast at easiercast.com or leave a comment in the show notes at easiercast.com slash 40, 40. Again, that's easiercast.com slash 40. Also, be sure to look for Easier Podcast on Facebook. I curate the best content from around the web that helps make life and work easier, and you won't find it anywhere else but on Facebook. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from the tips I've covered in this episode, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully, every share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now. Oh, allergies. All right.